Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. And here we go with episode 208 of the Sports Yak podcast. You mean the Kurt Warner episode? You know, I met him one time. Did you? Yes. Tell me about him. Well, he's a NFL quarterback with the, at the time, St. Louis Rams and was an NFL MVP and through 208 touchdown passes in his career, was in arena football left arena football, was working at a grocery store, wound up getting a tryout with the Rams, stardom followed, and was one of the analysts on the NFL draft over the weekend. I was a part of a charity in the early 2000s, late 90s, and uh, part of my job was to try to get auction items. So I found an address, and I wrote to him, told him who we were, what we'd like. week later, a couple of Wheaties boxes with nice big black Sharpie scribbles on the front. Nice. Then that summer, I'm on family vacation at Disney World, and uh, you ever ridden the uh, the go-kart track there? It's kind of on the east side of the park by the teacups. Okay, yeah. I'm on the bridge, just waiting in line, Yes. and here he comes underneath me with one of his kids, followed by his wife, who was very, um, you knew her back in the day with Brenda, the spike yeah, haircut, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he's going underneath me, and, I, and we caught eyes, and he waved, and I was like, Kurt Warner! And it just kind of happened as he was getting off the ride and I was getting on the ride. I said, you sent me some weedy boxes uh, this past couple of months ago. And he's like, oh, it's my pleasure. Hope that worked out for you. I was like, Kurt Warner right there. By all accounts, good dude. Yeah. 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 Working at a grocery store gets the, the tryout again. Man, that's amazing. Let's talk about the NFL. It was a huge weekend as far as the draft goes. Yes, we talked about the first round on Friday's show, but since Friday's show has commenced, six Notre Dame players were drafted. Six! In the NFL draft over the weekend, the lead dog being Cole Komet going to the hometown Bears. What a thrill that has to be for a kid who grew up in Lake Barrington, Illinois. Wow. Northwest suburbs of Chicago gets to stay home and play for the Bears I think uh, a great pick by the Bears. The only problem I have with what Ryan Pace has done here is he already had nine other tight ends on the roster. Come on, man. Just cut them loose. 
you've got Komet, you've got Jimmy Graham as your number two. You don't need 10 tight ends. Why? Why? It's like a bad joke. Did you hear about the team that had 10 tight ends? Yeah. And then there's some horrible punchline. But Oh, man, I love the story of a kid that grows up watching the team, and then he becomes part of that team. I love those stories. And then you've got Chase Claypool going to the Steelers, which excites Ben Roethlisberger to no, uh, no stretch of the imagination because Claypool... As I said on previous shows, I think he's going to be a star in the NFL. He's just got such a great body type. Uh, he can go get the ball, good vertical leap, not afraid to play special teams or anything else. Pittsburgh's going to love this kid. Uh, what, an, what a strange trip he has had starting his career as a high school football player in Canada. All he knew about Notre Dame was what he saw in the movie Rudy. And comes here, struggles at first, but really comes into his own the last couple of years and raises himself up to be a second-round prospect. Then you've got uh, the wonderful story of the Aquora family, Julian Aquora, drafted by the Lions, so now he gets to play with his brother, uh, taking that phone call and then being able to tell his brother, hey, we're roommates now, and uh, basically telling his brother, Romeo, I'm sleeping on your couch rent-free. Uh, <laughs> Troy Pride Jr. goes to Carolina. Khalid Kareem, start of the fifth round to Cincinnati. I think that's a nice steal for the Bengals. And then Alohi Gilman going to the Chargers, which has become a little bit of Notre Dame West. I think he is now the fourth Notre Dame player on the Chargers. Purdue had a couple of players taken. Bryson Hopkins, the tight end to the Rams, uh, where he already knows the strength and conditioning coach because that was Purdue's former strength and conditioning coach. Okay. And then a kid by the name of Marcus Bailey, an offensive lineman, going to the Bengals. He's from Ohio, so that meant a lot to him. And the Indiana had one player taken, uh, Simon Stepaniak, and he is an offensive lineman taken by the Packers. If you're going to evaluate the teams and how they did, I thought the Colts had a very good draft. Um, they get guys, we, we told you last Friday, we told you who the Colts were going to take with their first pick, and they did. They took Michael Pittman, the wide receiver out of USC. And then they turned around and they took Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin, built on it, and one of the Colts draft picks was a local kid. Danny Pinter, South Bend Adams High School, becomes just the fourth Adams Eagles player ever to be drafted, just the 10th player drafted in the city of South Bend, and the first since Charles Swan from LaSalle in 1992. So yesterday... Uh, to surprise him, there was a parade put together by his old high school coach, Craig Redman, and a parade of well-wishers outside the Pinter home. Uh, so that was fun to see for him and the community coming out and acknowledging uh, just a great kid, and he gets to stay in the home state and play for the Colts. And <clears throat> I think, even though the Colts did not have any offensive line injuries last year, they, they were the only team in the NFL who started the same offensive line grouping all 16 games. Wow. Uh, I think that's a great chance mm. for him to go there and get a chance to learn under guys like Quentin Nelson and things like that, and I think he could he could wind up helping that franchise. That's exciting stuff. So we are completely past the NFL draft. There's nothing left. No drafting left. Now the question is, you know, quarterback movement. And we're seeing signs that Jameis Winston 
is probably going to sign with the Saints as a backup. Mm. He had offers of more money and more playing time other places. But I think either he or somebody got a hold of him and said, look, you still need to learn the craft a little bit. And who better to learn it from than Drew Brees? Oh, man. So sit there in New Orleans as a backup to Brees and and a, a viable backup in case Brees were to go down with an injury as he did last year. And I and think, the big picture, Chuck. How many more years for Drew? I think I think this could be it. Yeah, this year, and so then Winston could could move right in. But what a guy to learn from, and yeah. what a guy to go under. Now the big question out there is Cam Newton. Where is he going to wind up? Because he seems to be the big fish that's still out there among the quarterbacks that nobody has taken a flyer on yet. And and there's some questions about his health. He's been injured quite a bit the last couple of years. Uh, but I still think that he's somebody that could help some team out there. I'm not sure whom, but some team. Now, in terms of football, uh, one of the big stories locally around here is at the high school level. As we've been telling you, I think since this show came back on the air, uh, one of the big developments was the hiring of Josh Shattuck as the head football coach at Elkhart High School. Shattuck has been the head coach at Elkhart Central the past three years, but now has to build a program combining the talents of Central Memorial. And joining us on the phone today, the head football coach of the Elkhart Lions, Josh Shattuck. Josh, congratulations. I've I've texted and tweeted with you about the new job, but this is the first that I've been able to vocally say congratulations. What was that process like? Well, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. Um, you know, it was, uh, it's kind of been an interesting, um, you know, few years because my entire time being here in Elkhart, um, the merger of the two schools was already, um, approved and, and was going to happen. So, um, you know, it was to say it was, it is an adjustment is a little bit of an understatement, but at the same time, it wasn't, it's not something that's unexpected. Um, so when I came here, I knew that I was, you know, highly interested in, in becoming the coach when, when the schools did merge. And so it's something I've had on my mind, obviously for, um, for a long time. And, and the process was, uh, it was swift. Um, I thought our athletic departments, um, collectively did a good job. And it's like this with all the sports is essentially after the season ended for each respective school, uh, the job was posted on the Monday after that. So, I mean, it wasn't two, two, three days after our, you know, our sectional final game and, uh, the interview process was swift, and um, you know that that afforded myself or whoever the new coach was going to be the maximum amount of time, um, you know, in the off season to get going. So um, I believe from the time the season was over until the date of my hire was less than one calendar month, which is a really quick turnover. So it was really, really good. Coach, you take a student body of sixteen forty two, another student body of fifteen ninety nine, and you quickly become. I believe, Chuck, would you tell me, in the top 10 of enrollment in Indiana, what was your biggest question mark of the job, Coach, before you took the job? What was the big, outstanding, hmm? Well, I think the the biggest challenge um, in, in terms of, uh, you know, looking at the merger is going to be how to get adults in the community on board. Um the kids are the least of our concern, honestly. The kids are smart. 
Um, not that adults aren't, but kids are smart. They look around and say, wait a second, we're merging with all these other kids who are pretty good and, and both sides are going to look at each other. And, uh, you know, they, they know, Hey, this is a pretty special thing. Um, I think the coaching staff knows that as well. It's more the, um, you know, the challenge of getting adults and decision makers and community who have been, you know, really rivals, um, big rivals, uh, for, for 50 years almost, um, you know, uh, to, to buy into something that's going to be new. And so uh, I think that's a, the biggest challenge, and it's a challenge that we'll have to go through in phases. Obviously, there's the initial phase of communication and getting to know everybody, and then, you know, once the season starts, um, there's going to be a, a new phase of that when it comes to, you know, playing time and just the way we operate the program. And it's going to be different for some, the same for some, um, you know, and so I think that's the biggest challenge that we've got uh, in front of us. Well, that is one challenge, but another challenge that has now been foisted upon you is how do you combine these two programs when you're in the middle of a pandemic? I know beforehand you had kids from Memorial coming over to the weight room and working out and things like that, but now how do you do it? Yeah, we we were actually fortunate to, um, we hit the ground running, so I was officially hired on a Monday and we had our first workout together on a when on that Wednesday, so about 48 less than 48 hours after the announcement was made, we get, had the kids together um, lifting and working out. So we were able to to get uh, re- have a really good December, and then when second semester started in January after Christmas break, um, we were able to have you know our football weights class, um, which is run in two different buildings, obviously, but it it affords myself to get over to to either school and meet with the players and see them and, and they're lifting together and we're posting a lot of videos, you know, u- utilizing social media so that the kids see each other working on the community can see each other, you know, both sides working on the same thing. So we did get a head start um, in communication and relationship building. And then this, obviously this pandemic, you know, um, you know, I, I, my, my coaching uh, blueprint book that I have doesn't have a chapter on what to do in a pandemic, unfortunately. So it's one of those things where we're all just doing the best we can with the information we have. Um, but I think, you know, how we've tried to navigate it is strictly through um, maintaining and trying to build upon the relationships that we have with the players. There's been little to no football um, as a part of that. Obviously, there's we have you know, their workouts and things like that that involve body weight, push-ups, sit-ups, running, and, and the functional operations of our program. But from a, from a football perspective of, you know, positions and plays and schemes, we have not done anything with that. Um, we've done a lot of just getting on, you know, the Zoom app and, and having positional meetings where we're just checking in. We check in every Wednesday with the kids based on position and just – get to know their coaches and just spend time. You just 15 minutes on an app like that is, uh, you know, once a week is good. So um, we're just kind of navigating it that way. I saw the movie, Remember the Titans. I'm sure a lot of our audience did, where you had two schools coming together. And obviously race was the focus there. It's not so much a problem in Elkhart, but you do have to convince, I I assume, the kids from Memorial that they're going to get a fair shot with the guy that's been at Elkhart Central. How do you go about doing that, and how do you evaluate uh, the talent that you're getting from Memorial? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the first thing that we did, and we got in front of this, and this is true. There, this is not some you know sales pitch by any stretch of the imagination. The, the, our program is going to be a new program. Um, it is not the Elkhart Memorial kids joining the Elkhart Central kids um, or vice versa. It, it's a new team. It is a new program, and things are actually going to be very different for every kid in our program, whether they played for us at Central or whether they played at Memorial. Um, it's going to be different. It's not just adding um, you know, players to a system that's already there. Now, schematically, we're going to be different. Um, our, our depth is, is, is going to be the biggest factor The you know, the two way players will probably be a thing of the past, um, unless they're a very, very special, unique talent. Um, the way we operate practice is going to be different with that many players Our lower levels are going to be different. So again, it is not just adding some talent to, uh, one side. It's a, it's a new program. And so I think that was something that we really stressed to, to all of our players because it was good for you know, the players at Elkhart Central to hear so that they're not just thinking, you know, we're just going to keep moving along and add these players as if they have some sort of special treatment or, you know, are ahead. Um, and it was good for the kids at Elkhart Memorial to hear that, hey, this is, you know, it's a new program. Um, it is, everyone's going to get a fair shake. Now, that has to be backed up in, in, in actuality, you know, when we get there. Um, so, you know, the, the one thing that we can't undo is we did have a head start with the kids at Elkhart Central from a relationship perspective. You know, we know them. We know what makes them tick. We know how to coach them. We know their parents. We know where their backgrounds. Um, and so with the kids at Elkhart Memorial, we've been just, just trying to get as much time with them to learn their stories and, and their personal backgrounds and their family situations um, to try to get, you know, get it to the point where we can best serve the kids that play for us once we get, you know, field time with them. Coach, uh, I married an Elkhart Central grad. Her brother is an Elkhart Central grad, played football, and I'm sitting next to an Elkhart Central grad. What do you say to these guys in a 60-second version if you're walking past their tailgate before a Friday night game to get them on board with what's about to happen? Well, and that's another good question. I I think the the draw for me and and the long-winded answer of that, the draw for me, uh, about Elkhart in the first place, as you guys kind of brought up, we're, we're the tenth largest school in Indiana. If you look at the nine schools that are larger than us, none of them are there. None of them truly have their own identity as a city. Um, Carmel might have that, but a lot of people kind of think of Carmel as a suburb of Indy. Right. If you look at them, they're town, they're township schools. If I ask you, where is Ben Davis? Ben Davis is not a place. It's it's a it's a zoned off area, and the kids that live in that zoned off area on the west side of Indianapolis go to Ben Davis. You know, Pike is not a place. These are these are townships and, and things like that. Now, that's not to take away anything from those schools. They're phenomenal football programs, but Elkhart is a city. People identify themselves with being from Elkhart. It's not a suburb of South Bend. It's not. Um, you know, some, some suburban area, it is its own place and, and people identify with that. And so that, to answer your question, that's the, that is the draw for me that I think we are in a place that has an enrollment and a demographic that can be very, very good long-term at the highest level of 6A football. But we also have a community that can give us that nostalgia and that pride that you see at some of the smaller schools. And I've been in those places. My first two jobs were in places just like that, that were isolated, 
not nearly as big as Elkhart, but you had just that's what you did on Friday nights as you came to the game. So I think that here we can replicate that um, in in the people, whether they're you know blue blazers or crimson chargers, I think they can get on board quickly with being from Elkhart. Um, and, and I think that that will not, it won't, it won't be easy right away. Um, but if we get off to a good start, I think people, they like winning and they like their school where they're from, where their kids go, um, to be winning. And so I think it's a easy sell if we're doing our job and winning football games, but, um, that is a big challenge. Um, but I do think, like I said, there, people have an identity here. Uh, they're from Elkhart, whether it's the west side of town or the east side of town, north side of town, south side of town. Now that doesn't matter. Um, and so it's a very, very unique place with our size and kind of our demographic and, and um, that combining with the fact that we're one town. You've had the delight of some Division One talent on your team in the past year or two, and that means Division One coaches come in and recruit what has that experience been like for you as a coach? And, Josh, have you been able to pick the minds of any of these coaches and, and get ideas that help you as a coach? Oh, it, it's been, for myself and, and our coaching staff, um, the past, it's literally been 12 months, um, about actually about 13 months since uh, Mark Brownlee was offered by Ball State. That was kind of the first um, wave. Um and in those 12 months, it's just been an absolute whirlwind. Um, it's just a testament to our players um, that we have that many kids. It's, it's such a shot in the arm for your program when a kid gets a, a Division One scholarship like that because the, the kids see the coaches come in and, you know, whether it's materialistic or not, they come in with their, you know, nice polo shirts with their logo on. and. Sure. You know the college coaches have a certain swagger about them because they're they're recruiters. I mean they're you know and they're good at their jobs, and so they come in and the kids see that, and they usually like to come in during the weights class, and it just it just puts everybody on a different level. Um, you know we were blessed to have guys like Rich, Ricky Rocha and and uh, you know Kyron Pearson, Adrian Sims, kids that went and played you know Division two and Division three football. So we had a few of those coaches coming through, but then you know when Mark got his offer, it just became you know, kind of like the floodgates open because people, it opened the doors at Elkhart Central and people saw what we were doing and people saw the types of kids we had and, and how they were getting after it in the weight room. And then obviously it, they saw it on the field this past fall and that even pushed it further. So um, in terms of like networking with coaches, it's been, you know, it's just been unbelievable. You know, it's just, uh, you know, you, get, you do, you get to pick their brains. Um you know, you're during this time, everybody's kind of at home, even those guys are at home. And so I've been on the phone with those guys a lot and it ranges from recruiting, checking in on our guys who are the recruits, um, to scheme, to development. And it does, it just opens the door to be able to pick up the phone and call people that you might not have access to. And, um, it is funny how when you have really good players that they want, they answer the phone when you call them. So <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, you know, that's been a good thing. But you know, all jokes aside, it is it's just great opportunity for uh, our kids to have that connection. And you try to really build a pipeline is what you do. Is you you know, I really credit our school with uh, creating an atmosphere where a college coach can come in and and easily access the the player during the open windows of time that they can do that and then also access 
you know, I have such easy access to transcripts and, and that sort of thing. And it's not like that at every school. Some schools won't allow that or some schools are slow to process those things. And I think that hurts the kids. So um, where we've been, it's really a school effort to say, hey, we, you know, these, these coaches are going to come in and they're going to have access to our players and we're going to give them transcripts on the spot and answer the phone when they call. And, and it makes it a, you know, word gets out that, hey, Elkhart, you know, in that case, Elkhart Central, but now Elkhart High is a place where they've got a lot of good players and we'll get good information on them and they're accessible. And that helps our kids in the future too. Coach, uh, are you allowed to name names and, and give us like one name of a coach that you've been impressed with communication wise? Yeah. So, um, Tom Allen at, at IU, um, is just, I mean, he is top notch. Um, you know, I think for him, and this is just, you know, my personal, because you asked the question, but I mean, Tom Allen, like tw- 13 years ago, was a high school coach. Yep. Um, he was a coach at Ben Davis. I mean, there, and, and so you kind of look at it and you're like, he was me. And I don't mean that. I just mean he was a coach at a big school with a lot of talented players and, and 13 years ago. And he hasn't, in talking to him, he hasn't lost that sense of kind of reality. You know, he's uh, um, easy to talk to. Um, you know, he came to a basketball game and he sat through and watched the entire game. A lot of the guys will come in there and, you know, they'll be on their phones the whole game and they're just, they're just there to make an appearance. But he was there from, you know, 15 minutes before the game started till well after the game. And, um, you know, he's just been great. Another one is, uh, James Franklin has actually been really good communication wise. They run a, you know, just the operational piece, um, at, at some of these big schools, big 10, schools is unbelievable the layers they have you know they've got their director of high school relations and so he's kind of like the front line and then they've got their recruiting coordinators and their position graduate assistants and then they've got their position coaches all the way to coordinators and head coaches and they just kind of layer it in a very strategic way so I've been impressed with how they uh, operate as well but those two kind of stand out to me in terms of um, you know just just head coaches and the operations that they that they've showcased and and the legitimate care and, and concern for, for our players and, um, in this process. As a wrap-up, a lot of people probably don't know that you also work as an assistant athletic director at the high school. With the pandemic wiping out all of spring sports, what are athletic directors and athletic departments at the high school level doing right now, uh, preparing for next year or dealing with what's going on right now? Well, I think, you know, the, the first thing is it's this whole thing has come in waves. So when it first happened, it was canceling contests and, and having rescheduled plans um, for the dates that they proposed. You know, obviously at first it started with, it was two weeks, I think. Right. Um, and we canceled, you know, the, the basketball regionals and then the, the or the basketball um, yeah, regionals, which we weren't hosting, but then we were going to host the semi-state, so that got canceled, and then it became, okay, May 1st, cancel everything up until, well, up until spring break, actually, and then it became May 1st, and then it became the the spring, so that kind of went in waves, and so when, when the governor canceled, or when, when um, the commissioner canceled spring sports, it became a t- complete transition into scheduling uh, and organizing for next year, which for most schools is not a huge bear, but for us it is because every schedule is brand new. Every team's new, every coach is new. So, um, we finished hiring in our athletic department, we finished hiring winter sports 
And we've actually just got started on hiring our spring sports for the spring of 2021 because there's no reason to wait. Um, yes. You know, what was going to happen was we were going to have those interviews in June or you know, early June, late May, whenever the respective spring sports ended. But now there's no reason to wait. So we're going through that, which keeps us busy. Um, and then all the scheduling of, of the other uh, contests. But I tell you what, I, you know, if, if there's something in our world in education and, and athletics um, at the high school level that's come through this pandemic, it's that I think people are realizing now that schools in particular are not, are so much more than places where their kids get educated. Um, and athletics are so much more than just the teams they play on winning and losing on Friday nights or, you know, during the week, it's, it's so much of their, these kids social network and their, mm-hmm. their extracurricular opportunities. Um, I think people are realizing that it's just so much broader than what, you know, what it might look like on the surface. Well, the good news is you are in a community that can be very supportive and has the resources to be very supportive. It's it's always kind of, uh, as somebody who grew up there, kind of puzzled me where you've got the children of millionaires going to school with the children of the projects, and yet everybody seems to get along, and it goes pretty well in Elkhart, and hopefully it'll go well for you as the head football coach. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And you're right. It's it's the most, you know, I'm I'm not from here, um, but there's pros and cons of that. And I think one of the one of the pros is that I've seen other places, uh, you know, a few other places how they operate. And um, I don't know that there's a I cannot uh, I cannot personally think of a better place that I'd rather live and raise my kids and send my kids to school than Elkhart because of that exact thing that you just said. It is a true representation of what the real world is like. There's extreme poverty all the way to the kids of multimillionaire business owners and everything in between. So um, it is a unique place, and we'll get through it the best way we know how. So did you learn something from that? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's exciting, I think, of two high schools coming together. Uh, you know, I... Like I said, I married a, an Elkhart grad, and I'm close to that city. We go there and see my mother-in-law a lot. My brother works there. Uh, he married a, a woman who's very involved in that city, and there's a level of excitement. There's you know, there's question marks, um, but I'm going to watch from the sidelines. No pun intended. And I know you're excited about getting uh, you know behind your broadcast mic and seeing what the fall looks like for that team as well. I think the big takeaway was what he said about top 10 schools in Indiana and Elkhart is a city, not a township, not a segment of another city. I I appreciated that. Yeah. Even Penn. Yes. It's Granger, but it's also the kids down in Madison township. It's the Penn Harris Madison schools. So that covers a wide range and, and nobody says I'm from Penn. He does make the point. People do say I'm from Elkhart and We'll see if the – I think the community will get behind this team. And as he said, particularly if they get off to a good start, I would expect that first game at Concord and the first home game with Mishawaka should have huge crowds if if we're allowed to attend games by then, okay. which I, I think we will be. I am um, also, as we record this, uh, getting uh, – sources are telling me that the Notre Dame-Navy game that was scheduled for Ireland will not be played in Ireland. Hmm. I And I don't think that surprises anybody at this point of the pandemic. Uh, now it'll just be finding... On a ship? 
No, they're not going to play on a ship. No? No. Well, how wouldn't that be cool? I could see them playing in Annapolis at Navy Stadium, where Notre Dame has not played since maybe the early 70s. Uh, that would be a fun experience. It's a small little stadium, only seats about uh, 30,000. Hmm. Uh, I feel badly for the people who bought tickets to go over to Ireland. I know my neighbor had planned his honeymoon over oh. at the football game in Ireland. I don't think that's going to happen now. So, breaking news here on the Yak. Okay. Speaking of Notre Dame, man, oh, man, Neil Ivy <laughs> has hit the ground running here on recruiting. She gets her second verbal commitment for the class of 2021 uh, from a young girl named um, Sonia Citrone. She's a 6'1 guard out of Scarsdale, New York. I think she's ranked 16th nationwide in the class of 2021. And so Ivy gets the job on Wednesday, and she now has two commitments for her rec- first recruiting class. Uh by the time Monday morning rolls around. I think I remember asking you months ago about taking us into a recruiting visit with Muffet, and you were saying, you know, how much playing time and how long are you going to be around? Mm-hmm. I wonder uh, what that conversation was like with these two players. Well, you know what? Maybe that's something that you can ask because Niel Ivy is going to join us on Sports Jack on Wednesday. How about the that? new coach is on this program? Yeah, believe wow. it or not. We're, we're bringing out the heavy artillery here during the pandemic. Let me tell you. We're fighting this with everything that we've got. Uh, oh, one other thing that I wanted to mention on the local sports scene, and that is great news about Ryan Newman, the South Bend NASCAR driver, says that he will be ready to go whenever NASCAR restarts its season. And when you think back, to that horrific wreck that happened on the night of the Daytona 500 and where we all thought, is he, is he going to live through this crash? Not only has he lived through it, he's made a full recovery and he's ready to get back behind the wheel when NASCAR starts. And I couldn't be happier for this guy. That's very exciting. Good for him. All right, this feels like a really delightful quarantine pandemic episode. Some things for you to think about and chew upon. Yeah, absolutely. You can always email us, sportsyak with two Ks at gmail.com. We're on social media. Chuck, you're on Twitter. I am at 46 Sports. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga-looga, Kurt Warner. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sportsyak. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.